1: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms
0: and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today we are recapping. I'm sorry, not recapping. We did all the recapping earlier in the week. We are previewing an absolutely phenomenal and pivotal matchup for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Baylor Bears this weekend. This is the first of two games that very well may end up deciding who wins the conference in the regular season, gets that first overall seed in the Big 12 Conference Tournament. To help me do that, fellow 1012 Podcast Network member over at uh, Between Two Bears, Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you doing today?
0: I am fired up. I, we, You and I were chatting very briefly, and that before we started recording, I took a very fresh look at the weekend coming up in the big 12 oh, and it, i guess it's not really different than any other big 12 weekend except for it, it just we've now accelerated very fast towards the postseason right we were about halfway through the regular season but so many like you said so many pivotal matchups fall this particular weekend and it's just exciting. There's nothing like Big 12 basketball. I, it's, you know, everybody knows it's the best conference in the nation, but there's nothing like it.
1: Well, and I and I think the craziest part about it is just the fact that this isn't a abnormal weekend. Like, it's a crazy right. slate looking at who all is playing who in the Big 12 conference this week. And that's pretty much what's going to happen the rest of the way. Like, there is not an off game at all in this entire schedule. Um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny as, as a Kansas fan, what I'm worried about is something that the Kansas women just did playing Oklahoma state back to back down in Stillwater and then coming back to Lawrence to play. They were able to win both of those games, but let me tell you, it was a lot closer, especially in the second one. I'm afraid when Kansas plays TCU back to back in the last week of the regular season, if that, like if, if the conference, you know, title is still in doubt at that and Kansas has to win both of those games to get themselves at least a share of the title, it's going to be a very, very tense week.
0: I honestly thought that was a typo. I was sitting here looking at Ken Palm. I'm like, now, hold on here. They have TCU twice in a row. That can't be.
1: Yeah, that was. That can't be correct. Well, they were supposed to be the opener and then TCU had a, had a COVID pause. And so that's they, right. Yeah, they went ahead and that's rescheduled right. it. And unfortunately, the Big 12 decided, hey, I know what we'll do. We'll make them play back to back at the end of the season instead of, you know, rescheduling. It, smack dab in the middle. Yeah, works for you. me. I'm fine with it. <laughs> All right. So, so So we are here, obviously, to talk about Baylor. We haven't really had a chance to talk too much about the Baylor Bears so far on the podcast here this year yet because we haven't played you guys yet. So um, looking forward to breaking down, coming into the season, Baylor was, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Kansas and Baylor were probably the two clear favorites in, in the conference coming in. Um, most people expected Baylor to pick up for the most part where they left off. Yes, they were losing a whole bunch, but there was a very good chance that they were going to be able to replace you know, that that uh, production and Kansas was supposed to be absolutely loaded. So depending on who you talk to, either Kansas was supposed to be the favorite or Baylor was supposed to be the favorite, just kind of depending on what was going on there. But, I mean, looking at the way that this race is shaped up, were, were you expecting the conference to be this brutal this year? <sighs>
0: Ex- expectation versus, like, subconscious expectation. I think there is some um, some infighting going on. Uh, in my brain right because oh yeah for sure um like part of you knows that yes every every game is going to be tougher in the big 12 than it would be well certainly than the acc this year um probably the sec although i've been impressed what they've done this year and and certainly tougher than the big 10 but then you start looking at some of the teams you are like, oh, is Kansas State going to be any good this year or is TCU really going to be any good this year? And then, of course, they come out and they win. you know, they have some statement games, even in close losses. But um, no, I don't know that I was expecting it was going to be this much of a bloodbath, especially in the middle of the conference.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we've been saying for years and it's been borne out for years that the conference is is. Easily the deepest conference from top to bottom. It's the best. Um, But this is taking it to another level this year. Like every single yeah, team, especially on the defensive end. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a conference having nine of their 10 teams in the top 30 in Ken Palm in terms of defense. Um, You know, and I mean, Kansas didn't have that great of a performance against Iowa State and they improved their defensive uh standing as well. And, and I'm sorry, it's actually no longer that. Uh I, I think, yeah, Kansas State is number 40. uh Kansas is number 45. You've got a few that are above 30 now, just based off of everything that's kind of happened there. But uh, but all top
0: 50. Yeah, like it's everyone's still top 50, insane. It's still ridiculous. It's still insane. Here's the other thing, though, Andy. Every team, every team in the conference has a capital D dude, right? Kansas State hasn't had like a dude the last couple years. TCU had Miles last year but this is a different miles oh, like yeah. this. He was not the a dude
1: that he is now. He was not that last year.
0: Right. Even Oklahoma state, while they've struggled a little bit, they have likely and, you know, Texas tech has a dude and, and Iowa state's trying to find there still, but through three different players, they can put a capital D dude together on some nights. Right. But like, it's just so much fun. I, I think that's the thing, it, you, you know, Baylor's not having like a spectacular season compared to, to the championship season, right? Hard to replicate that, but it's still so much fun just zooming out and taking in the conference objectively. It's just a blast every weekend.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and it's definitely super stressful, but it's also like, I <laughs> yes, don't think I've looked back on a single game and said, man, that game just sucked. Except for maybe, like, I'm thinking, like, the Texas Tech-Kansas State game where the defense was just so overwhelming and the offense couldn't get going that it got, like, it kind of wore on you after a while. But for the most part, if you watch these games, they're extremely tense, they're extremely close. You don't really know who's going to win because every single team has, you know, had a huge run, gotten up big, and given up a big lead, and everyone's gotten down at some point and come all the way back to either tie it or actually win a game. And so, like, this... This Big Twelve conference is completely up for grabs. Yes, we 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 fully expect, especially looking at the way the conference standings have shaken out so far. I think the the general expectation is that Kansas and Baylor are going to be fighting neck and neck for the conference the rest of the year. The Texas Tech is going to kind of be hanging around. You know, I know that Texas is kind of there, but they seem to be a step behind. And TCU is starting to make a push. So it'll be interesting to kind of see which of those teams are able to kind of hang in the race. Um, You know, I mean, but even teams like Iowa State, you know, Oklahoma. Kansas State, like, they all can can jump up and bite people on any particular night, which, you know, I, I'm almost thinking, well, well, this is a super pivotal game, this Kansas versus Baylor game, and, and the next one will be as well. Like, I, I almost think what we always talk about, whoever wins the most road games in places where you probably shouldn't win road games is going to win the conference because... You know these two are going to battle each other, but there's going to be some sort of upset that you just don't see coming. That is going to have a huge say in who actually wins the conference this year.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's the that's the fun part. It always comes down to one or two games, usually away games for teams that are in in contention. Um, I don't think it's going to be different this year.
1: No, definitely not. All right, so so let's talk about this Baylor team because obviously Baylor wins the championship last year. Um, you know, if if we had held the tournament in 2020 we very well could have had back-to-back Big 12 national title winners um so like the we have a lot of really strong teams and Baylor was definitely up there as well in 2020 as well so it's not like you know last year was a everything went right and they and they you know kind of fluked their way to a national title like a Texas Tech uh you know, national title game appearance. No,
0: don't do that. No, 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 no. no. Okay.
1: (laughs) I think a lot of Texas tech fans would even admit that yes, that defense kept them in, but the offense probably wasn't what you would normally think of as good. Okay.
0: It is okay to ride an NBA caliber guard to, to a decent offense. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yes. But but I, I hear what you're saying. I
1: know it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think we all need a little bit of realism. We all need to be able to be, um, to be willing to acknowledge when we benefited from some good bounces that went our way.
0: Yeah, um,
1: absolutely. And, 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 but, but looking at this this year, like these are teams that were expected to be really good, have continued to be really good, but they do have some flaws. Baylor lost a lot of, a, a lot of production from last year, but had a lot of guys that were returning. So looking at this roster, what are the big differences for this team compared to last year's national title team?
0: um i'm going to start with a the um the difference but the fact that it's not that different right so i, I really like the concept of breaking down um a team by its role or or skill set slash role right so when you you look at a basketball team um most really uh most high-performing offenses have a guard that acts as the engine, right? It, they, that individual sets the team up. Maybe um, it, it is usually a particularly good ball handler, can attack the rim and create for others, right? Well, it's really, really hard to replicate um, a lineup where you have two and a half, maybe some nights, three of those players, right? Right with Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, and Macy O.T. It's hard to do that. Baylor got a really good start on that with James Akinjo transferring uh, in. Uh, when healthy, he is, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sure it's not true, but my eyes tell me he is quicker with the ball than Davion Mitchell in short bursts. I realize that sounds crazy, but my eyes say it. I'm not saying it's true. My eyes tell me that.
1: It sounds a lot less crazy when you qualify it with in short bursts. Yes. 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 Correct. That, that I can definitely see.
0: (laughs) He is so insanely quick. And one of the big worries was, oh, he is a a shoot first point guard. Will he fit into the system? And there were concerns about that through the first, I don't know, three to five games. Uh, And then the Villanova game happened. And he turned the ball over twice and had, I think, seven to nine to ten assists, somewhere in there. And every single game, he has just fit in better. Derailed a little bit by some injury. Uh, I believe he injured his buttock. Maybe it was technically a tailbone injury. I don't know. Some people are saying it's a back injury. Um, he seems to be back and, and a lot more healthy now. So I think we're good there. Um, what's What else is different, right? Well, you replaced... Um, some shorter, not short, but you know, six foot three ish guards or or wings in Jared Butler and Macio Teague uh, with two freshmen, right? Usually a very scary proposition, except for these two freshmen are thirteen feet tall apiece. Um, yeah. These are the <laughs> large, athletic men uh, that no, they are not offensively what Baylor had last year. But defensively, they impact the game in a significant way, and and then there's Matt Meyer, right? The expectation was that he would shoulder a lot more of the offensive load. Um, it it hasn't really happened when you look at the stat sheet, right? No, not at all, which is kind of insane, honestly. But I'm not sure that I was expecting him to be from certain advanced statistics by far and away the best defensive player or the most impactful defensive player on the team. And he really has kind of fallen into this extremely important glue guy role, like hyper glue guy, super glue guy, right? Uh, If your glue guy can come out and score, I think it was seven to 10 points in the last three minutes of a game versus West Virginia, after not scoring at all, the first 37 minutes, it's pretty dang, pretty dang exciting, right? For a glue guy. Um, And then, you know, LJ Cryer taking a step up from a six-man role. Not different because he's still coming off the bench, but having your leading scorer come off the bench is pretty fun. So it looks different, right? Uh, but a lot of the same pieces and skill sets are there, but maybe just in different bodies. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does.
1: You know, and I'm I'm looking over the roster here and there's definitely one spot that kind of jumps out to me. Um, as extremely worrisome, especially for this game coming up. So, if, I mean, I, you know, that, that front court you guys have, and I'm not sure that all of them actually play in the front court, but, I mean, you know, I'm looking Kendall Brown at 6'8", uh, Jeremy Sochan at 6'9", Matthew Meyer at 6'9", and, you know, guy who I think probably has a claim to at least first-team all-name team in the Big 12, Jonathan Chumwatachua, and I always say it wrong, and I love to say it even though I say it wrong every single time, But, uh, you know, I mean, looking at what they do down low, I'm 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 legitimately worried about how many options Baylor actually has down low.
0: Well, you hit on the one thing that I forgot to, like, say explicitly, right? This team is way bigger than last year. Yeah. And not just at the center position, because there are times where Scott Drew has rolled out a one or two guard lineup with three players taller than six, eight. It, it goes it yeah, goes. I didn't James even talk Akinjo, about floathamba. Adam, yeah, James Akinjo, Adam Flagler, Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, Jonathan Shawmachatra. Like you can you can create multiple lineups with multiple players at around six nine or six ten. And by the way, Matt Meyer is a full six ten. He is a large human. Um That's crazy. So yeah, and, and I think that is a pretty good reason combined with how aggressive Baylor has been in the passing lanes to the detriment of the team at some times. Yeah. Um, But this team tips so many passes and it's why by the numbers, this is a better defensive team than the championship team.
1: Yeah. I mean, talking about that defense, you know, when you do play lineups that are that big, I think the one thing you potentially worry about is typically guys that are that big aren't necessarily quite as quick. And there's a lot of small teams or teams that play a lot of smaller guards that are very, very quick on offense and getting things around the paint. Kansas has a lot of guys that you might think maybe are a little bit undersized, especially compared to this Baylor team. They do tend to move the ball around pretty quickly though. How much of a worry is it when these big lineups go against smaller teams that, that can kind of, you know, have that burst off of the dribble.
0: You know, the, the, the one area defensively where Baylor has ironically not been fantastic is in two point field field goal percentage right. Alabama gave Baylor hell, uh, over the last weekend, um, really attacking the rim and Alabama is extremely effective when they do that. I, I'm not trying to take away anything that Alabama did. Cause I think they are a final four potential talented team. Right. Um, and they showed it, they, they put it all together and showed it against Baylor for sure. I think if Baylor is rebounding the way they should be and not the way they did against Alabama, it evens out a little bit, right? I think you can cut off some of those possessions, and in this particular matchup, I think it'll be extremely important, right? If you can get a body on McCormick, if you can get a body on Lightfoot, and and then also just be taller than some of the other guards, you eliminate some of those second chance points, and you can start your break, right? Um, because a lot of the, a lot of the players on this team, even if they are six eight, can at least start a break relatively effectively, right? Um, so if the defensive rebounding is there, yeah, it's not great to to have a, a smaller guard attacking the rim relentlessly. But if you can limit that to one less than ideal shot, get the rebound and just get back on offense, it, it, most of the time it's not terrible.
1: Yeah, I mean, so you, so you talked about, you know, the rebounding aspect, but I, I am kind of curious because the fact that they do, you know, give up so many two-point or like their two-point defense really isn't that great. How much of that, it, it, it seems to me, at least watching the Alabama game, that Baylor was a little bit slow on drives to the basket, that Alabama was doing a lot of cuts, doing a lot of things to get guys heading down towards the rim and passes were coming in that way, or guys were just blowing right by people, which surprised me a little bit knowing how good defensively Baylor is. But, I mean, how much of that is just that that this Baylor team sometimes is a little bit susceptible to a guy that can make a quick cut that they just can't necessarily account for?
0: Remember the whole aggressive in the passing lanes thing? Fair. Hard hard to recover on back cuts when you're that aggressive. And it's been something that we have, we, because I play on the team, of course. Of course, um, of course. uh, It's something that Baylor has given up quite a bit, but with limited damage, right? It also is a real factor. Remember, two freshmen on the team playing considerable minutes, right? you can catch a freshman ball watching or trying to see what's happening away from the ball and, and just get lost for a split second. Well, guess what? In the big 12, you get lost for a split second. That's two points. You're, yeah. You're, you're back on offense. Um, so there's a little bit of that and it, it showed itself more in the Alabama game than it had recently. Right. This team also only gave up 36 points to a very disciplined um you know, experienced Villanova team, right? I know Villanova is not a world beater this year, but you hold any team to 36 points in a game. And that shows the potential of what you can be on defense. Yeah. Uh, And it's, 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 you know, Baylor is still like a top, what, you know, uh, top 20 team in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Um, So this is a really, really good borderline elite, win healthy win healthy um a defensive team
1: yeah i mean and and just like the rest of the teams in the big 12 conference i mean baylor makes their defensive bones on making sure that the opposing team is uncomfortable by you know applying that extra pressure you know jumping things where they can making sure the guys don't get any kind of easy passes um you know un- unfortunately the one thing that they cannot make uncomfortable is anybody who is wearing uh, anything from our sponsor here on the podcast, that would be home field apparel. Because, <laughs> Impossible. Exactly. You can't home... make
0: anybody wearing home fields. No,
1: exactly. Because home field apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Uh, you know, they have t shirts, sweaters, hoodies. Uh, joggers, they have a whole bunch of stuff from over 100 different schools available. They're adding new ones all the time. They're right in the middle of big new Saturday season three. Look, they already have Baylor stuff. We are hoping during this basketball centric big new Saturday that they're going to be adding Kansas stuff as well. I'm holding out hope. I've been bugging them, even though they probably already know exactly who they're releasing. I'm still bugging them to say, hey, give me my KU gear because I really, really need it. So, But you can go over right now to homefieldapparel.com. Take a look at everything that they have. Use promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. I guarantee you're going to find something over there. Even if they don't have KU stuff right now, I mean, you're going to find something over there that you want. I have like nine shirts myself, all from schools that I have absolutely no affiliation with, but they're just that good. They look that great. They're that comfortable. My wife has like four or five and she always steals mine whenever hers are dirty. So that's how great they are. So homefieldapparel.com promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right. I do want to go ahead and talk specifically about this game. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast.
0: Basketball season is finally here. Big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference you're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: And we're back. All right, here with Matt Wilson, otherwise known as Matt Is Bear, one of the two bears on the Between Two Bears podcast here on the 1012 network. Uh, look, Matt, this game is, we've already talked about it a, a couple times, actually. It's going to be an absolutely ridiculously competitive game. Um, you know, Kansas and Baylor have by far the two best offenses in the conference. You know, they I think they're both ranked in the top five in the nation right now. Uh, yeah. Kansas is three. Baylor is five. Are, are you expecting this to be a super high scoring like back and forth shootout?
0: Maybe the one question that I literally have no idea because I agree I can see I this just- game being played in three completely different ways. I could see this game ending in the low fifties where Baylor locks down defensively. Kansas shows what it can be defensively. Right. Um, and whoever is the most efficient with the limited, because both of these teams play pretty slow too. Yeah. Um, I, well, so I, 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 I could see that happening. Um, Kansas likes Kansas to, does play like fast. to get out.
1: Yeah. Well, I was to say Kansas likes to play fast. The problem is, they trip over themselves sometimes, so they have to Correct. slow down. So it's not Correct. like that, that – that's not what they want to do. Unfortunately, a lot of times they just go into lulls that are so bad that they have to.
0: Well, also, you know, now now that Remy Martin has been confirmed to be out for, a, you know, maybe a couple of weeks potentially, I yeah. think that tends to slow things down a bit too. Um, but I could also see this game really going back and forth because even though Baylor plays slow, similar to Kansas – likes to be out in transition, right? You get a couple of those freshmen out, you get James Akinjo out in transition. Um, the everyday, John, Jonathan, John Machachua loves to run in transition, um, loves to be a, a, a trailer. Um, and it, I could see it being a super high scoring game in the mid eighties. Right. Um, I do think it will be within five points at the five minutes to go. Mark, I don't yeah. see it getting out of hand either way. Uh, because Baylor, like we talked about, defense can make plays. The Kansas offense will always be present, right? Rough sometimes compared to other years, but the talent is there, right? Um, I, I, Ken Palm has this as a seventy-six to seventy-five win for Kansas. Oh yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous how close this one is, and and I
1: mean it's 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 what everyone expected, but. I, I will say I could easily just the way that Kansas plays, the way that they've gone on huge, you know, like seven or eight minute mm-hmm. droughts where they don't score anything, I could easily see this game getting to a point late in the first half where Kansas is down by like twelve and Baylor is coasting at that point, and then all of a sudden the defensive pressure flips, Kansas gets a couple buckets, gets it within four at half, and then we go into the second half, and Kansas is still on a huge run, and then Baylor flips it and turns it back, and Kansas goes on a roll for a little bit. Like I I agree. I don't think that the final score is going to be completely out of hand, barring obviously a serious like in-game injury or something to that effect that takes like that wipes everything out that we've seen. But like Kansas, I think has enough talent and they, we've, we've seen enough, especially with a guy like Joseph Yesufu. Yes. He only did it one game against Iowa state of all teams, but it is one of those things where like the way that he played opens up a lot of things, allows Kansas to do a lot of things similar to what Remy Martin would have done, just not as polished. Um, So it opens up potential. And, and so I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to be a lot of these teams trying to find their footings. And the fact that these teams are so different, Kansas is a lot smaller than we normally see from Kansas. Baylor's a lot bigger than we normally see from from Baylor. So true. And so but also, I think they also like that lends to them playing different styles than we're used to seeing these teams play. So it's how much are they able to to get that going? How much are they actually able to do what they want to do? Who actually wins out with what they're able to do? And that's going to go back and forth. I think there's are going to be long stretches where Baylor seems like they have the game in hand, long stretches where Kansas seems like they have the game in hand. And when you mash it all together, we're going to get a, I don't know, a down to the wire, probably a foul fest at the very end as, as teams are trying to, you know, just turn up the intensity and the Big 12 refs decide that, hey, we haven't been calling fouls all game long. Let's go ahead and you know blow the whistle 13 times in the next minute and a half.
0: Do we know who's going to be officiating this game yet?
1: I have not seen it. I'm afraid to look.
0: I'm going to be honest. I don't, we don't want to say the H word on this podcast. Nobody wants to say that. Um, But yeah, the, the, the story of runs, I think absolutely will be what defines this game. Baylor has its own drought issues, right? Where maybe you're not playing your most explosive offensive lineup. Um, it's funny how depth isn't important until it's important, right? You're relying right. on that eighth eighth player, that ninth player, depending on injuries. Uh, Dale Bonner, the transfer uh, from, I think, Fairmont State or something like um, very solid, but isn't really going to explode for 15 points on a random night, at least that, not that we've seen yet. Uh, So yeah, those who can minimize the droughts and who can extend what would maybe be like a seven to eight point run, who can extend that to a 12 point run or, you know, a 13 to four run instead of just an eight to two run. Right. Right. I, I, I am so on board with that. I think you're exactly right.
1: Yeah. You know, the only thing that I am worried about, so, so two big questions left. The first one. What do you think is going to be the key matchup? We still don't know for sure if Ochai is going to play, but I'm going to assume, based off of everything I've heard so far, it seems like he'll be out of the COVID protocol. Um, I haven't heard anything about an, another positive test outside of the window that would have allowed him to play. So I'm going to assume that he's sure. actually available to play. So assuming he's back and is at relatively full strength, um, you know, I mean, I think he's going to be one guy that's going to come out firing, but, you know, Is there a particular matchup or a particular player that you think is going to be super important in terms of determining who actually wins the game?
0: I have three of them and they're going to sound silly. No, go ahead. But, but I actually think these are the keys to the game. It's going to be David McCormick versus David McCormick's brain. Yes. I I think that is maybe the most important um, matchup of the entire game because if David McCormick plays the way he can, well, then that, that might neutralize some of the advantage that Baylor has in the front court or in yeah, in the front court.
1: Well, and, and to that point, David McCormick this year has consistently played much better when he's actually challenged by a guy who is about as big as him can play as physical as he is. Like with the exception of like Kentucky, where oh, everyone was With the exception faster. of Shibwe. Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Well, yeah. I, I think the main who, difference who isn't is going
0: to play. Right.
1: Well, the, the main difference is one, Shibwe is an absolutely athletic freak, but yes, Kentucky also had so many other guys that were cutting and, and you know, his the rest of his defense wasn't handling it well, and so he was overhelping and like sure. there's a lot of other things that really attribute that. But if he can play I'm not putting
0: I'm not putting that on McCormick. Right, yeah.
1: right, exactly. If if but if if he can play one on one with another big man or even, you know, play with a big man and have another guy kind of helping him with another big guy down there. Um, like if he can play straight up defense on a guy, he typically plays it pretty well, and if he's being challenged straight up, he usually plays fairly well on offense. So this is like the perfect opportunity. There's plenty of guys. You know, in terms of who Baylor has in the front court that are going to play him straight up, that it's right. going to play into the style that he likes to play. So, as long as he can get himself going and not get in his own head, I, I completely agree. I expect him to have a big night. The question, of course, is what else is going to have to happen for Kansas to, to stay in it because there's a lot of other places where this game could be decided as well.
0: Yep. I, I think it's funny because the next matchup I have is actually a three way cage match between Adam Flagler, Adam Flagler's knee. And Ochai Abaji, um, okay. I think. I think if Adam Flagler is healthy, because he was a scratch for the West Virginia game uh, with with a knee issue. If he's back and he actually is healthy, he is so important both offensively and defensively. Right? I don't know that he'll ever have like the splashy defensive plays, but he is smart and he is solid. Right? He can keep a player in front of him like Ochai Abaji, like. I'm not sure what anybody can do against a Baji, like out on the perimeter. I, I don't know what anybody in the country can do, but you can do a little something. You can contain a little bit. Um, maybe not give like a wide open lane, just ex- escort him to the basket. Right. Right. Um, uh, if, if he's healthy, Adam Flagler adds another um, piece, uh, another shooting. Hand. When Adam Flagler is hot, he is hot. Right. So if he can. If he can provide shooting, that's massive for Baylor. So I, I will
1: think- I will add to that. You talked about the three-way cage match. I'll actually add a fourth, and it'll be a Royal oh. Rumble at that point. Ochai's, oh, Chai's O Chai's COVID virus load. Because <laughs> mm. if he has not recovered from that, I'm gonna that's be honest, point. Flagler's knee probably will even it out. <laughs> like, like it's one of those things where Ochai could be, you know, could be lagging. Because we saw that from Baylor last year when they were all covering from COVID. We saw that from you know, Kansas, when they had guys coming back from COVID in the, in the NCAA tournament, you typically take some time to get back to where you need to be. So, depending on how well Ojai bounces back, that could kind of be a counter, counteraction to any struggles that Flagler might have with his knee. I
0: don't know, man. I, I have not been impressed with many players more than Ochai Abaji this year. Oh, yeah. He so is
1: absolutely phenomenal. Uh,
0: 65% man. of him is still a, a, a potent weapon. Fair, um, fair. You know, uh, LJ Cryer has been out. I, I don't know that I can cons- <laughs> we need him back pretty badly in, in tip top form, but like, and, and more generally the matchup of the two freshmen, Sohan and Brown versus the other Brown um, and, and probably Lightfoot too, right? Can't, who wins the rebounding battle there? Who can um, prevent the, those, Late minute scramble plays or last second scramble plays towards the end of a clock or off an offensive rebound, who can prevent those more? Uh, because that's where I would think both of those sets of wings, uh, Jalen Wilson to a degree too, do a lot of damage. And who, who's going to win those scramble plays? Uh, so maybe it's just both teams versus scramble place for the matchup. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would probably sub Jalen Wilson in as opposed to Mitch Lightfoot for that because I mean, I, right. I do think typically Mitch Lightfoot has been used as kind of a backup strictly to David McCormick. It, like either McCormick's yeah, you're in right. or Lightfoot's in. Wilson is the guy I think that is going to be key. He's you know had some really good games that have really pushed them across, especially when like Ochai was down or you know Remy Martin wasn't able to give them much. Um, Kansas does need that second guard and it's really a question on any particular night. Is it going to be Brown that steps up, you know, cause up until I think recently, actually he still may be, uh, no, he's, or yeah, he's, uh, according to Ken Palm, he is third in the race for all big 12 conference Ken Palm player of the year. Uh, which is crazy to think about, Wow! Like, look at what he had, I did right? not know that he gives so much defensively that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet where you would normally be paying attention to it. Yeah. That I think a lot of people overlook what he does. The problem is for Kansas offense to run well, they need a second option out on the perimeter. Harris doesn't provide it because he doesn't look to score. Um, yes, did it fairly well and Remy Martin was doing it some, but they don't typically play them very much together. Um, You know, and and they rely on Harris for most of the point guard duty. So it's usually a matter of, does Jalen Wilson or Christian Brown step up and provide that extra offense they need on the outside? If one of them doesn't do it in this game, it's going to be really hard for Kansas to kind of keep up. Final question, though, I I do have to know, because every single time it seems that Kansas plays Baylor, and I mean, Oklahoma State as well, there's one random guy who has absolutely no business going off in the three-point line that just completely does who is it in this game that Kansas needs to be worried about is going to like make fans tear their hair out because, you know, like I'm looking at, at a guy like, uh, like Dale Bonner, um, like doesn't look like he should be able to, but, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen worse or a guy like Chama Chachua who, you know, shoots 45% has only shot 11 threes this year though. But like, Apparently I can see a seven of eight sniper. coming up.
0: Apparently a sniper from the very top of the key. Um, You know, that is a really, really good question. It depends on your definition of random. Like LJ Cryer shouldn't be a random name to the nation anymore, right? Uh, I I think he is one of the more consistent offensive performers when healthy out there, even though he doesn't play as many minutes as as other starters. Matt, Matt Meyer is not a random name, but you never know, right? Right. Yeah. It, it I could feel like both Matt of those Meyer guys cut.
1: shoot too many threes consistently though. So like I'm thinking of a guy that doesn't either doesn't shoot threes very often or doesn't even play very often and just comes and lights up the scoreboard.
0: And like, so just completely at a left. Oh field. yeah. It
1: happens all the time. It, it's actually a <laughs> meme at this point for most Kansas fans, because there's always a guy for, for the longest time. Uh, it was uh Phil, I forget his last name now. I really should know it. It's been from, oh, from uh, Oklahoma State. Forte. Forte. From yes. Oklahoma there we go. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's just like seared into my brain, you know, just, Random white guy from Oklahoma state that shoots three. Another like short King. Business. We yeah. love,
0: we stay a short King. Um So it, if it Dale Bonner is probably going to be that random name. Now I offer a wild card here because Jeremy Sohan uh, is, is shooting 36% from three and he doesn't shoot enough from three. In my opinion, uh, he can get hot, extremely smooth stroke. And when you're six nine, you don't need a ton of daylight. His shot isn't as fast as it probably needs to be, right? But he's 18 years old. That that'll get better. Yeah, uh, I'm very curious to see if he isn't the name that pops up.
1: Well, and also, like you said, when you're six nine, you don't necessarily have to worry quite as much about your shot getting blocked if you're right. being guarded by you know six three guards. So exactly, yeah, exactly
0: for sure. So I'd, I'd be curious to see if he isn't the name. But yeah, I, I don't think Dale's going to take enough shots to to make that happen but jeremy sohan might
1: unfortunately I, I would be upset if either of them were able to just go off you know like seven of eight from three is what i'm thinking of that is going to make me go absolutely insane and then hopefully we can get revenge with you know some random guy going off when we come down to to waco you know in a yep. few weeks here so all right um you know what we've run a lot longer than I had anticipated at this point, but that's fine. So much good stuff to talk about. I know. About. There's just so much to talk about, especially when you have the the two best teams in, in the Big 12 Conference, um, you know, year in and year out, at least for the last few years. Um, you know, there's always storylines to talk about. So um, th- it just means we're going to have stuff to talk about the next time, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly so, all right, Matt. Well, we didn't get it. Oh, you know what? One quick question, because sure. as crazy as the Big Twelve men's conference has been the Big Twelve women's conference has been just as crazy. I think with a whole bunch of teams that yes. are that are you know challenging where you wouldn't expect them to be. Baylor just dropped another game to Oklahoma. Like they got swept by Oklahoma for the first time in forever. Um, coming
0: off coming off a, a nice hot streak, there kind of yeah. getting right and then just kind of letting one go against Oklahoma was not not an ideal evening, but. And not you know, like I'm trying really to twist sure. the knife
1: or anything, but like, that's how crazy the conference is. Like, right. Baylor right. I don't has take ruled not the conference for so long that when they are struggling in games like this, you know, almost dropping a game at Kansas a few weeks back. Like, yes, Kansas is playing a lot better than I think most people expected them to this year. But that tells you what the parody is like in this conference. We're used to seeing it from the men's side, but not so much from the women's side. Like, it's absolutely insane.
0: Well, Oklahoma comes to Waco and, and beats Baylor not a week and change after giving up 61 to a Kansas State player like, yeah, th- this conference is bananas. So, you know, and not many people knew what to expect from this Baylor team. And it has been a complete offensive system overhaul right this is no longer the Baylor women's team of past where there seems to be four centers on the floor at any point in time and every single offensive possession involves a back down five dribble post up Uh, this is a much more perimeter oriented team some new faces some new skill sets and it's taken some time Um, but when the shooting is there it looks really good and um, it's just going to take a little bit more time for Baylor to get back to what Baylor fans expect that team to be. And it's also going to look really different too.
1: Yeah. I think my favorite part about the conference this year though, is that there's so many different styles, so many varying mm-hmm. ways to play and they're not consistent enough because they're all so different. It's hard to, to prepare for all of them. Right. You could run into a really bad streak where you have two teams that are placed very similar styles sandwiched around a a team that's just played something completely different. And even though you're more talented and probably should win the game against the team in the middle, you weren't able to prepare for them the way you needed to. So like, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the conference race goes. It's honestly, it's still anybody's race at this point. Yes. Iowa state is leading. Um, I believe Oklahoma has, is now within striking distance. I don't actually have the standings pulled up. I'm pulling them up right now, but uh, you know, I mean, Kansas is still in the mix. Baylor's in the mix, obviously. Like, there's a lot of teams that you wouldn't nor- normally expect to be in the mix at this point in the season that are still there. And you know, I-, I would be shocked if the Big Twelve didn't have at least six teams making it to the to the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, That's right, which
0: is crazy. That sounds right. Yeah, that it, just so much fun. Like that's the way we started this conversation, right? Is that basketball has has I don't think it's ever been better. Oh no, definitely conference not. wide. Conference wide, I don't think so.
1: And and look, uh, we we Big Twelve teams love our football teams as well, but basketball, I think, is where most of the drama and the excitement is year in and year out because everybody is so good at basketball here. Um, football, you, you get varying degrees of return depending on what what coach you have. To I say.
0: thought it was pretty good. I think I think the returns on football for Baylor fans. Is, well, yeah, is, for uh, Baylor fans, it was great. Trending. Trending in the right direction, so I, I think both are great, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But but
1: but nationally, I'm talking about like, oh yeah, basketball is definitely like here at the Big Twelve. Those are the the yes. two, or those are easily, I think, the best conferences on both the men's and women's side. Maybe you have an argument for the SEC on the women's side, um, you know. For uh, but you know, I it's just absolutely fantastic. I love the fact that the tournament is in is in Kansas City, and both the men's and women's tournaments are in Kansas City this year. Um, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be some great basketball. So
0: I might have to get up there.
1: I know I'm going, I like, at this point I'm going to find myself a way to actually get there. So I I went and covered big told media day for basketball. I'm going to find a way to cover the tournament as well. So, all right, Matt, thank you so much for joining me for those that haven't, that are not familiar with the work and want to find you online. Where, where can they find everything that you do?
0: It is a very specific life decision, but if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt IsBear. Uh, and then of course, Evan and I do the between two bears podcast. Uh, you can find that, um, at between two bears with two spelled out. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I have a fantastic team of writers over at our daily bears. Um, we're looking to do do just different stuff right we're just trying to figure out what's what can we do that's different and new and unique and you know we, we might strike out on some stuff but we're gonna go have some fun right sports are supposed to be fun and that's what we're gonna go try to do
1: oh yeah for sure for sure you know when when philip and I, I i we still wonder um every day whether we made the best decision we possibly could or the worst decision we possibly could when we had you and evan come on the 1012 network with your between mm-hmm. two bears, because yes. let me tell you, every episode is an adventure. Like it's, it's really mm-hmm. great at times and there's spots where you're just like, wait a minute, what did they say? Um, so yeah. Andy, if, if you want to go on a journey over the course of 45 to 60 minutes, listen to between two bears every single week that it's out.
0: Andy college sports is just an inherently dumb enterprise to become involved with. That and is we fair. think. We think over at Between Two Bears that should be celebrated and not hidden away in a storage closet somewhere. So we bring all of that to light, usually at the expense of saying anything intelligent. Uh, and it seems to be a formula that people are enjoying. So we're going to keep for sure. that for a little longer. All right. Well, Matt,
1: once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts. There's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get... Uh, and get every single episode as soon as it comes out. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter at Pod by email at rockchalkpodcastgmail.com. We are now part of the brand new SI website, Blue Wings Rising. We're absolutely loving what we're doing over there. Um, All of the podcast episodes are going to be over there as well, so definitely follow us for all of your Kansas needs. Um, but you know what? Part of the 1012 network, just like uh, Matt is here. Look, we have a bunch of great podcasts over there covering all the teams in the Big 12. And the best way to know how the Big 12 is going to affect your team is by knowing what's happening with those other teams. So head on over on Twitter at 1012 network to get links to all the great shows. Follow our, or go check out our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, promo code CHOC12. Gets you 15% off your entire first order. Look, it's just absolutely packed here. So, but I really, really appreciate you guys listening. Matt, thank you so much for joining me. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
0: Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, presented by 1012
1: Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring laundry Ooh, a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary work by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details